the 20th of March, 2008, episode 97. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. In this episode, we're just going to kind of hop around a little bit. I wanted to cover a few different things that came in um, from the Rookie blog, or the Rookie forum, rather, and also a couple of things that were emailed to me, so just kind of going over some questions, uh, giving some answers to those, hopefully, uh, at least a little discussion to maybe clarify some things, and uh, that's about all we're doing as I prepare for my big trip, so... uh, this is going to be the last one for a few weeks anyways. So that's what we're going to do today. So let's start off with a little bit of news. Uh, as I mentioned just a minute ago, I am going to be going on my trip very soon here. I'm leaving next week um, on the 27th, and I'm going to be going to Australia for a couple of weeks. So that, of course, means that there's not going to be a, a new episode for a couple of weeks. And let's see when the next one should occur. I'm returning the week of April 8th, so we're probably not going to have another episode until the middle of April, like the 17th is what I'm looking at. So uh, if you are one of those who tunes in and tries to grab the new episodes right when they come out, just keep in mind that it's going to be a few weeks before that happens again. And if you are one of those people, thank you very much. And if you are not one of those people, thank you also for listening, because obviously if you're hearing me now, you're listening. Um, thanks everybody for subscribing and supporting this show. I uh, really appreciate it. And, uh, thanks for being patient with me when I get to go on vacation. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be gone for a little bit. Uh, in the meantime, some things you can work on, uh, besides your design skills, of course, you can help me out by telling a friend about this podcast. If you have somebody, um, that you work with, that you go to school with, that doesn't know about this podcast yet, and you think that they could get some use out of it, please tell them where it is, tell them how to subscribe, uh, explain what a podcast is if they don't know, blah, blah, blah. Same thing I always ask. You know, I don't I don't have the money for advertising for this thing, so uh, it really helps us out if you guys can recruit new listeners for us. The other thing is to submit a topic. If you uh, have the capability of actually recording some audio, then send it in to me and I'll play it on the show and we'll talk about something you want to talk about. Uh, If you don't, just send me an email, put something up on the forum. And uh, I've been doing a lot more shows lately, like the one that I'm doing right now, where I'm going to answer some questions. I'm going to talk about some of the topics that people brought up either on the forum or by sending me a personal email. So you can always do that. And I've definitely, definitely encouraged that. Um, The only thing left is our sponsor and that is GoToMeeting. GoToMeeting gives you a great way to meet with other people. It's very cost-effective because they don't actually have to travel to you. And this is because you can have meetings online. And the way that works is you have their little software, you host a meeting, and people all over the world can log in through their browser and see what's going on on your desktop in real live time. And uh, right as you're doing something, you can be doing a demonstration, you could be showing them, walking them through designs that you've done, uh, walk them through a website that you're setting up for them. Uh, you can actually have a conversation with them at the same time and and get that feedback that you need. And it's, it's really a cool tool and uh, it's very cost effective in the fact that also you pay one flat fee and you meet as many times as you can. 
Uh, there's not a per meeting fee or per minute or anything like that. You just pay that one fee and you meet as much as you need to meet. Uh, we use this at my full-time job and it's very, very useful. As I said, the best thing about it is you can actually see what that person is doing. So um, if you want to check it out, you can do it for free for 30 days. Just go to this URL, gotomeeting.com slash tech podcasts. That's gotomeeting.com slash tech podcasts and you'll be able to sign up and use it for 30 days for free. So check it out. All right, so I wanted to start off with a topic that I found on the forum, and I thought it was uh, a good question. Um, just for any of those of you out there who may not be on the forum yet or may be uh, a little shy, um, there is no stupid question. There are there are, no, there are no questions that are too basic for us here. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm making this sound bad by saying this right before this question, but I mean, when you start out, there's things you don't know. And the only way you're going to learn these things is to ask people. And uh, I've definitely preached about this before. Make sure you ask anybody that's around, you know, anybody that you think might know the answer, be it a teacher, be it uh, a coworker. Don't be afraid to ask a dumb question because it's, it's, it's worse for you not to know the answer because you're embarrassed to ask the question than it is to actually ask the question, put it out there and let the person give you some information. All right. That being said, um, this one is about font usage and it says, what is the proper procedure when using fonts? For instance, if you have a font you bought previously and you use it for another client, do you go back and pay for usage again? And if you do, how do you track down your source to pay again? And what about fonts that are already on your system from your Adobe program? Do you have to pay for them again when, when you use them? I graduated not too long ago and have been doing a lot of freelance work, but I'm confused in this area. Um, I do want to do it the right way. Well, first of all, uh, I applaud you for asking this and wanting to do it the right way because fonts are probably the the uh, most common software that people steal, I guess you would say, or maybe trade with their friends or pick up somewhere and uh, just kind of use it without actually paying for it. And uh, we, we've gone into this a couple of times before we had a, a guest on that was actually from a type foundry. They, they make typefaces and we talked about it. And I think it's easy to forget that, you know, typefaces are software too. People spend time and they, they design those things and they make them work for you. So you definitely want to do things the right way. As far as using the fonts, once you buy a font, uh, generally you can use it as much as you want. It doesn't matter how many clients you use it for. Usually when it's basically like paying that fee to buy the font, it's kind of like buying Photoshop CS3. You know, you're not going to pay a, a new fee every time you use it. The only time that you're going to have to pay more to use that, that program is if you want to upgrade it. Well, there's not really upgrades for fonts. You would just go ahead and buy more fonts or, you know, some fonts you might buy a certain collection of that font and then maybe down the road buy, you know, some italic faces in it or some semi bolds or something like that and add to that collection of that font. But whatever you purchase, you should be able to use that as much as you want. Now, one of the questions that's come up before too is um, how do you charge for this? Because this is kind of part of your software. If if a client requests a certain typeface that they really want to have and you don't have it, you have to go out and buy it. Sure, you might tack on some of that cost to that client. Now, if uh, this is kind of talking about ethics, I guess, too. If you're going to go ahead and charge that client the whole cost that it costs you to buy that font, then, you know, I myself might have some issues with using that for another client. Now I do own the font because they paid for it, but kind of in a way they own the font 
even though they're not going to need a font. But hopefully you get what I'm what I'm saying here is usually if I'm going to charge a client for a font, I'm just going to charge them, you know, a percentage of what I paid for that font because I know I'm going to be using it for other clients, for other projects down the road. Um, as far as usage goes, though, usually you're going to pay that one fee. Uh, I have never encountered fonts where you actually pay per usage. Uh, I'm not aware that anyone actually uses a system that way. Usually you're going to pay, and this is why they cost a lot. You know, you might go up to the Adobe site and look at their type library and say, man, they want, you know, 30 bucks, 50 bucks for this font. That seems like a lot. But once you pay that 30 or $50, you're never going to pay for it again. You're going to be able to use it. As far as the fonts that come with the Adobe software, those are Adobe fonts. And when you buy their software, they're giving you those fonts to use. You don't have to pay for them. And they, in most cases, are. They give you a bunch of open type fonts now. So those are good to go. Those are good to use for print projects or whatever it is you want to uh, use them for. And you do not have to pay any extra for them. Those are kind of like their gift to you for spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on their software. So uh, hopefully that clears that one up. But again, that was a good question. Um, you definitely do want to be paying for your fonts. I mean, there's a, lots of ways to get free fonts and be able to use them. And in most cases, it's not going to be possible for them to track you down. Uh, I'm not saying this so that people will go out and, and do this now. Um, but, you know, you just kind of have to police yourself. You have to, uh, you know, live up to your standards of ethics of what you think is right to do. But just remember that somebody did put in the time and the hard work to make a nice looking font for you to use. All right. The next one is, it was an email sent to me. It said, how do you, how did you go about picking a school for your design training? Um, and that's pretty much it. In my personal case, um, I actually went to the school. It was a school that my friend had been going to. So for one thing I had, you know, that friend to talk to you about, you know, how is this school? I went to the school and this is pretty much going to be the case for any design school, any school that you go to. I mean, if you go there and you're interested in their program, they want your money. They want you to sign up for their classes so that they can uh, get your money for that. So they're going to give you a tour. They're going to perhaps let you talk to some of the instructors there, maybe sit in on a portion of a class um, whatever you want, whatever you personally need to do to, to feel comfortable about, you know, knowing what the school is about, ask for it. And they're probably more than likely going to let you do it. Um, as far as, you know, what to do, how do you choose between them? It's all going to be personal preference. It's all going to be what you're looking for in a school. So maybe before you start going out and looking at the schools, maybe a thing to do is to make a list or, you know, just kind of get an idea in, in your head of what you're looking for in a school. I think we talk about a lot of things on this podcast that um, are good things to know. And I, I've said it in the past, some schools don't do everything that they should be doing. A lot of schools jump you right onto the computer and, and just start teaching you applications. They don't start with the basic principles of design. Uh, my school did do this. We didn't get on a computer for, for months. And I think that's definitely the way to go about it. You know, Maybe you have a background in art already and you don't necessarily need all that training, but still I think it's good to have that background first and, and learn about where design came from instead of just uh, jumping on the computer and knowing where it is right now. So um, really you just have to, you have to think about what you want out of the school, what you want to get out of it. Um, there's definitely different levels too. Um, 
my school didn't have a whole lot of lecture. It was very hands-on. Uh, if you go to a university, you're going to get bombarded with lecture classes for probably quite a bit, you know, a couple of semesters maybe before you really get to start getting into stuff and, and working on programs. And um, for me, that just wasn't what I was looking for at the point that I was at. I, I went to college a couple of times before that. Uh, I'd been through pretty much all my general education training. I wanted something where I could just jump in, get the classes that I needed to get and get out and get into the workforce. So that's what worked for me. Um, if you're just coming out of high school or if you, you haven't done a lot of college yet, maybe you do want to get that, that, uh, that I would say it's better training. I don't know if it's better training or not. I, I personally think that if you get to sit through those lecture classes and you really dig deep in the theory of design, I think that's better training for you than going to a trade school where, again, maybe they're just jumping you right on the programs and showing you how to use Photoshop and Illustrator and InDesign. You can learn that stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. You can learn that stuff on your own by simply reading books or going to something like lynda.com. Uh, you don't necessarily need somebody to show you how to do that stuff. What I think you need to get most out of school is the theory, the principles of design, the things that books aren't really going to teach you. Now, there are books on these things as well, and they can teach you that. But I think learning from someone, and hopefully in most cases, your instructors are going to be people that have been out you know, designing for multiple different agencies or companies. They're going to give you that that firsthand experience kind of like you get from me on this show. And it's going to teach you a lot more about, you know, actual design as opposed to, you know, just showing you how to use programs. So a couple of things that weighed in my decision, of course, the money thing. Um, some design schools are a lot more expensive than others. So that's something to think about. Um, are you going to have to relocate for it? Uh, the design school that I found happened to be right down the street. I was, was just lucky with that one. So that also worked out for me well, because uh, I don't believe I had a vehicle at that point. So I was able to actually walk to school. Um, these are, of course, the little things. But, you know, I went and I, I looked at their little presentations. I talked to some people about the training that they had. I, I got to see projects from students who had gone there in the past. Uh, they talked about students who got jobs out of that school and where they went. And there was people with pretty impressive positions. And, uh, you know, I just, like I said, they gave me the whole, the whole tour and, and really kind of wooed me. And this is the treatment that you should be getting from any school that you go and look at. But basically you need to do your research. You need to figure out what it is you want and then do your research. And you should be able to make a, an educated guess at which design school or which school is going to give you the tools that you need to uh, get that career that you want. Uh, the next topic is was also an email that was sent to me. And this one, um, I could swear that I was just talking about this, but I, I thought I'd bring it up again just because this person emailed. Um, so the question I have for you and perhaps something that you can discuss on the next podcast is this. When is the right time to fire a client? Uh, this must vary from situation to situation, but have you ever had experience where you had to let a client go due to communication problems or unresolved dif un unresolvable differences? If so, what led to this and how did you deal with it? Um, like I said, I think we were just talking about this a few podcasts ago because um, somebody wrote something about this on the forum just recently as well. And um, absolutely, there are instances when you just need to let a client go. 
And sometimes you need to let a client go before you even start working for them. We've talked about that before as well. Um, sometimes you'll get in, pro- you get, you run into problems right from the get go when you give them a quote. And I've, I've talked about this before because I had clients where I give them a quote and they're like, Hmm, this seems kind of high. And right when they say that you are at a crossroads, you have a decision to make. Are you going to kind of back down and say, well, I could do it for this much because I really need the work. Or are you going to stand firm and say, well, this is what I charge. If you can't afford that, then I guess we can't work together. So right there, you know, maybe your decision is to fire that client or just, you know, toss them to the side and not work for them. Um, which I think is, is definitely a good choice a lot of the time. Now, sometimes you're going to be in positions where you need to work. So maybe that's not right for you. But, um, if you're catering to someone who's complaining about the prices before you even work for them, this is probably not going to be a good client for you. Now on the subject of clients that you already are working for, if a client becomes so difficult that it makes your job difficult as well, and it makes it so that you're actually losing money or that you're not making money, then this I think is a client that you need to let go of. Um, if you're doing your job for experience only, and that's not to say that you're not getting paid, but your main objective is to get experience and you're going to get it wherever you can. And you, you want to just keep as many jobs as you can going, then, you know, maybe you're going to be a little more lenient with things like this. But if you run a business, a freelance business, maybe you, you know, run your own business and you have other people that work for you. If you have a client that is wasting your time, to the point where it's actually costing you money to deal with this person, then that's a client you need to let go. And as far as how you go about it, um, it's not always going to be simple. And sometimes, you know, if you've been working for a client for quite a while, it's going to be kind of hard to get rid of them actually. And I speak from experience on that one because they're used to you. They don't want to go find somebody new and uh, they probably don't realize they're being that difficult. But first and foremost, if you have some kind of contract with them, if you're working, you're in the middle of a project, absolutely you need to finish working on whatever it is you're working on. Finish that project and then kind of wrap things up. Um, There's several ways that you could go about this, including just lying to them and telling them you don't have the time for them anymore. Um, Maybe you actually don't, but even if you do have the time for them, maybe you can say that you just, you have your volume of clients is too high now and you had to shave some people off. And uh, if you really want a, a bargaining chip, then, you know, maybe this is the way to do it as well. If you can afford to maybe lose a client and uh, they're really not paying what you think that they should be paying, then maybe try and get rid of them and see if they offer you more money. But uh, bottom line here is if somebody is being difficult, then yes, you know, once you finish all your projects with them, you can go ahead and, and fire them. You can get rid of them. And you can tell them the reason for that, or you can not tell them the reason for that. It's really up to you. Um, Of course, different situations, uh, like this person said, they're going to be different. Uh, If this is a major client, if it's um, someone who maybe is a bigger name in the community or something like that, then you're definitely going to want to be a little more delicate with it. You don't want to be burning bridges with someone that, that may talk to other people in the community. And now you're losing out on clients that you haven't even met yet because you kind of did wrong with this client. So all, these are all things to think about, but 
again, I, I say if somebody is wasting your money, wasting your time, and that's something that you can't handle in your business, then absolutely you need to fire that client. The keys to the game. Our key command for today, pretty simple one. Uh, you can use it in the Adobe applications, and that is to run the spell check, which is something you absolutely should be using. Um, you're going to, on the Mac, press Command-I, and on the PC, it should be Control-I. And again, that'll get you into the spell check. Definitely use that stuff. Uh, it'll save you a lot of headaches, especially if you work in print. All right, I want to keep this one kind of short. Um, I want my voice to go out again. But um, another thing I wanted to bring up, I've been talking a little bit in the past couple episodes as well about a project that I've been working on, which is a big site redesign, a website redesign, which I was working on at my, my full-time job. So the deal with this thing is um, it was a huge project. It was basically be between me and the marketing team to to kind of make this thing go. It was the marketing, the VP of marketing was the the person that was supposed to really manage this project and make their, make sure things went, you know, as they should. And basically that didn't happen. So I guess the lesson I'm trying to get out here, and this maybe could be a rookie mistake. Uh, maybe it's just, you know, one for the archives to, to file away there and keep in mind. You're not always going to be in position to really pull the reins on a project, but sometimes it's absolutely necessary. So we've been working on this project for a couple months now. Um, we, we had a meeting on it not that long ago. And when I came out of that meeting, I basically got the idea that we are nowhere near where we should be. Uh, we should have been at least halfway done, probably more like three quarters of the way done. We go into this meeting, come back out and, you know, almost all the copy on the website has to be rewritten. Um, the way the pages flow, some of the navigation needs to be reworked and it was just a mess. And you're going to, you're definitely going to find this. I want to say quite a bit, maybe not quite a bit, but you're going to encounter things like this because people tend to not know what they want until they see it in front of them, like almost finished. So a good example, I'm not sure if I mentioned this before, I actually made a mock-up in Photoshop, printed it out of what the website will look like. I took it to the marketing people and they said, oh yeah, it looks great. You know, a month or two later, when we start actually working on this thing, when I start coding it, I code it all up. It looks exactly like the mock-up. I send the link over to them. They look at it. They don't like it. The colors are all wrong. Uh, the sizings of things are all wrong. And how is this? You know, I kind of, I kind of shot back a message to them saying, you know, how could this be? How could you need to change all this stuff? This this was uh, approved already, and and they kind of came back to me like, well, this stuff kind this kind of stuff happens, you know. People change their minds. Okay, yeah, people do change their minds, but when I hand you a mock up of something, and then I give you a, a you know semi finished product that looks exactly like that mock up that you already approved, we shouldn't be having a problem here. When I hand you a mock up and tell you this is what it's going to look like, and you don't like it, you need to speak up. You need to not just say, yeah, I like it. It's approved. Uh, the problem is with you know a job like mine, where I'm kind of just working hourly, is you know I can't hand him a form and say, sign this. This means that you approve it. 
And if I come back to you later and you say that you want to change different things, then uh, I get to make more money or I get to charge you more money. Um, it obviously doesn't work that way because I work hourly. They can just do whatever they want. They can waste my time if they want to. Um, big difference, of course, if you're working freelance and that's why you do get people to sign off on changes so that, you know, if they do come back to you and say, oh, I don't like this at all, you can take that piece of paper and say, well, you signed this, this uh, comp and you said that it was fine. And now you're saying it's all wrong. I have to do extra work. So we're going to have to talk about actually adding a little money onto this project. Anyways, uh, I don't know if I'm getting off topic here a little bit, but the fact remains that if things are not going in the right direction, you need to be able to recognize that and kind of pull back a little bit. Like I said, pull back on the reins and, and stop things. At least bring them to a halt and pause it for a little while and, and try and look at the pieces and see where it went wrong and, and how you can fix it before it goes too far in the wrong direction. And then you're having to backtrack and do things over again. I found myself doing this a lot on this project, doing things over and over again. And then the meeting that I went to was just kind of the last straw where I'm like, um, we're not even to the point where I should be designing yet because, you know, simple things like the content that's going to go on the page, which is of course the most important part of the page, you know, I'm supposed to be designing around the content. I'm not supposed to design a shell and then just stick the content in wherever it fits. The content is what you want people to read and to look at on the website. So that needs to be shored up. If nothing else, the navigation system needs to be finished before you design the site. I mean, these are just basic things that should happen when you design a website and they weren't there. So at that point, you know, it wasn't me that could say, okay, no, we're going to stop this right now. We're not going forward on it. But I went to my supervisor and I said, hey, this is what's going on. You need to talk to these guys. We need to, you know, make sure things happen the right way. So that's what got it stopped. And I think I talked about this before because now I remember talking about uh, using things like a spec or having a plan, a game plan ahead of time. Um, when my team designs something and, the, you know, they're like Java developers, so... It's all about building engines and, and making things that actually work on the website, not just like building, you know, the HTML. They get a full specification document that says it needs to do A, B, and C. It needs to happen this way, uh, in this order. And also, you know, for my part, it says, you know, it needs to look like this. It needs to be in this location. Here's what the navigation is supposed to do. This is what needs to happen. And this is, this did not happen on this project. And that's the main reason that it got so out of hand. There was no plan in the beginning and you can't really work this way. And this is a perfect example of how, if you don't have a plan ahead of time, things can go horribly wrong and you can waste a lot of time and you can end up with a project that's stalled and not going anywhere. Now that's what I call a rookie mistake. Uh, just to recap a bit, I guess. Make sure you always have that game plan ahead of time. If you're building a website, make sure you have those building blocks in place before you start designing what it's going to look like. That's It may seem like the most important part, especially if you are the designer, but it certainly is not. Uh, what's the purpose of your website? Uh, is it to teach somebody about something? Is it to eventually get them to a page where they're going to buy something from your company? These are the things that are most important. And things like navigation and things like the content that's on the page, that is the most important thing. 
you need to design around those things. So make sure those things are in place beforehand. Um, you don't want to uh, kind of be blindly just going into something and designing and then say, here, how do you like this? Because you're going to end up doing things two or three times. It's going to be a big waste of time. And, uh, you know, if that's your business, it's a big waste of money as well. So there's a Ricky, Ricky tip from me, from my personal experiences. And uh, hopefully you guys don't have to go through something like that if you haven't already. Um, just keep an eye out, you know, keep keep a level head and, and keep your eyes open for things that, that may be a little fishy. You know, it's I know it's not the most comfortable thing to to go to someone and say, hey, things are not going well here. You know, you're not doing your job, blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't always have to be that way. I mean, you don't necessarily have to put it in that way. You're not doing your job. But, you know, just things aren't happening the way that they're supposed to happen. And, you know, if you don't follow the right processes, then it's things are just not going to turn out the way you want them to. So keep that in mind. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. Our website for today, I actually kind of stumbled upon it, and um, I don't even know how I found it. I think it was through a Google search or something like that. It's a little blog, and it's about... Uh, I always give websites, or I've given some websites in the past, um, to be able to look at different designs and kind of gather some things from it for yourself, you know, to give, to kind of fuel your own ideas. Not to copy, of course, but to fuel your own ideas and to maybe add little things that you never thought about. Uh, it's usually for websites because those ones are all over the web. This one is actually a blog about advertising in different ways. Some of it is video, some maybe websites. Uh, a lot of it is actually ads, maybe for magazines or ads that you'll see, you know, on billboards or out in out in the public. Just really good ideas. And uh, the blog is called Ad Goodness, the best and sometimes the worst around the globe. So they have uh, advertising from all over the place. And basically, they just show you little images, and there might be a little commentary on it as well. Um, this this URL is kind of weird. Uh, I will spell it out for you, but if you want to check it out and um, you're not understanding it the way I'm reading it, then you can always go to rookiedesigner.com slash rookie and look in the show notes, and there will be a link to it there. But uh, the link for it is uh, fredericksamuel.com slash blog, and that is F-R-E-D-E-R-I-K. S-A-M-U-E-L dot com slash blog. And again, um, if you have trouble listening to that, then just go to rookiedesigner.com slash rookie. And in the show notes, there'll be a link that you can follow to that. Uh, I think everybody should take a look at this because it's cool. A lot of you out there probably get magazines that, that uh, you know, at least have the yearly review where they put some of the best uh, advertising in it. This is just something I've noticed that it doesn't update a whole lot. They don't have like tons of entries, but it seems like every day or every other day, there's something new going up there and there's some good stuff to look at there. So uh, definitely check that out if you get a chance. All right, that's going to do it for me for this time. Um, hopefully I will recover and not have my sickness when I get back from my trip. Again, I am going to be gone for uh, this podcast to be gone for a few weeks because I'm going to be in Australia for a couple weeks. Um, in the meantime, please tell your friends, tell your coworkers, your schoolmates about this podcast. Tell them uh, how to get here, how to subscribe and all that good stuff and help me out. Uh, also, if you have topics that you want to send in, 
Uh, I'm actually loving these shows where I go through and answer people's questions as they come in. Uh, I think it's a, a better way to go about things. But if you have a, a good topic that you'd like to send in, uh, if you can record audio, definitely send that in to me. If not, just send me an email or put something on the form and I'll grab it from there. And uh, hopefully we can make a good show about it. And um, different ways to contact me. If you want to email me, you can at adam at rookiedesigner.com. You can Skype me at username TitanStrides. Um, you can go to myspace.com slash rookiedesigner if you're on there. And um, last but not least, you can go to the forum at rookiedesigner.com slash forum and sign up there if you haven't already. And uh, please put some great posts up there. There's a lot of people who've been having some good conversations. And as you know, I've been pulling some of the topics off there to use for these shows. So definitely if you have something that you'd like to ask or maybe just something you want to talk about, then uh, post it up there and we'll talk about it. And you can also talk about it with other designers from around the, around the country, around the globe, actually. So um, definitely do that. And uh, thank you again, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing and spreading the word about Rookie Designer. Um, I guess I will be talking to you when I get home from my big trip. And just remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's I take it down to the aquarium, she says shark I take it to the black aquarium, she says dark I take it to the seaside where she lies just for that I'm in love with the monosyllabic code